Hello and welcome to Dialogues in Dermatology. I'm Dr. Lauren Council, your Editor-in-Chief. We have another exciting podcast for you today. We hope that you enjoy. Well, welcome to Dialogues in Dermatology. I'm Dr. Abel Torres. And today we're going to be addressing the career launch series. And we'll be looking at the cash pay or no insurance model. Our guest today is Dr. Madhavi Kandula, who's in private practice in St. Louis, Missouri. And I'm going to have Dr. Kandula tell us a few words about herself so that we can understand how she came about to become interested in this concept of the cash pay model. Hi. So I started after I did a six-year medical program, did three years of internal medicine, two years of critical care, and then finally went into dermatology. And I started my own practice about 25 years ago. And as many of we all realize, the frustrations of evolving practice in this healthcare environment really prompted me to launch my own private pay practice, and, but it took a few years to get there. So I've melded a little bit of cosmetic dermatology into regular dermatology and have evolved into this private pay all cash model at this point. So I think you've answered that a little bit, but so when you say cash pay model, it just means basically no insurance or is there another component to that as well? No. Yeah, Dr. Torres, there's absolutely no insurance claim filed on behalf of the patient. So really, at the end of the day, the financial contract is between you and the patient, and there is no middleman. And at the end of the day, I always sort of simply put it as you collect what you bill. And so why did you choose to do the cash pay model? So as I, as I went into this just a tiny bit, the frustration really after years of practicing is when you start chasing after 10 and $20, and you think at the end of the day, Am I worth so little that a patient will not pay that $10 copay or that $20 copay? So that was already entering into the fray of what was going on in my brain. And then when the ACA plan started, really what happened was the ACA brought in another dimension into how the insurances were dealing with dermatology. So for example, when patients were enrolling into one of the Obamacare plans and it was an HMO, they weren't necessarily told it was an HMO by the carrier. So they would walk in with a card, not understanding that it was a true HMO plan. We had no clue because the cards were exactly identical to the other plans that we dealt with, but we didn't realize this, there was a star on the back. So what happened was in 2014, 2015, we started having hundreds of claims, or I would say not hundreds, but tens of dozens of claims being denied. And when my office manager, billing manager called back to the company, they said, oh, didn't you not see the star on the back of the card? And we're like, did you tell us there was a star on the back of the card? So no. So we ended up losing several thousand dollars of billings because you can't balance bill an HMO patient. So that was really one of the first nails in the coffin that really, I just was so disheartened by it because there's no transparency to me from that company. So that was the beginning of it. And then the second thing that happened, and it was also around the same time, I had a patient. She came in, she had a couple of moles that were irritated, and we had done several moles before in the past without any problems at all. So a couple of months later, she comes back to see me and she says, hey, Dr. K, she goes, do you remember when you took off those moles on my trunk? I said, yeah. And she said, do you remember, you know, we turned that into insurance? I said, absolutely. She said, do you know how much I paid for those? I said, I have no idea. So she said, guess. I said, well, you had four moles taken off. I said, maybe $800. She looked at me. She said, 
double that figure. So when you're billing and you're not really realizing what is getting charged to the insurance because you end up getting so much less than what you're billing or what you're essentially collecting, you don't realize. And so the patient took the burden of what we were billing and, you know, the excisional biopsies or whatever you call excisions. And I don't think it was quite $400 a mole, but it was probably $250, $300 a mole. And by the time she was set and done with everything with the pathology P, she was set, you know, $1,600 later. So she asked me, she point blank said to me, she goes, so what if I didn't have insurance? And I said, well, that's an interesting point. And she said, what would you have charged me? And I said, I don't know. Well, I wouldn't have sent them to the pathology because I didn't think they're abnormal. And maybe that would have saved you a little bit. I said, maybe $150 a mole. So she looked at me and she said, so for what I just paid $1,600 for, you would have charged me five or $600. And it wasn't that the light bulb went off in my head. I thought, I, I don't even know what patients are being charged for this. And especially nowadays with these high deductible plans, I don't know what they're being asked to pay. And it was the second light bulb that went off. And so those two things came together to finally just say to me, you know what, Maude, you're worth more than this. You're worth more than chasing these $10 and $20 copays. And ultimately, if you charge appropriately, people will feel comfortable paying for what they perceive your value is. So that's a long answer to probably that very short question. No, that's an excellent answer. And it actually brings up a perspective that I hadn't thought about. Because, you know, a lot of times people will think about the cash pay model as being something, okay, it benefits the physician, makes your life easier. But really, from what you're describing here, it's interesting in that it actually can benefit the patient as well in some ways because of the type of services that you can provide them that otherwise you may be providing at a higher cost to them that you can make it better for them. Yeah. And, and I, I think ultimately that's it, Dr. Torres, is it's transparency on part for both the patient and you. And it's a win-win in that situation. Can you think of any other advantages to this model that you would think about as well? Well, so it's huge. I would say to you, you're not dealing with unplayed claims. You're not dealing with chargebacks. You're not fighting for patient copays, which we've talked about. You have a steady stream of income that you know day by day what you've literally billed you've collected that day you eliminate and I will tell you this is one of the huge things because I love my staff I eliminated a huge amount of stress from a girl that did billing because it was something that she was very because she loves me so much she would take it upon herself to chase after everything and finally I was like Maria you know what it's okay let it go let it go and she's like Dr. K it's not fair why is that person they only owe you $20 why aren't they paying you that $20 and so that did eliminate quite a bit of stress on her part. And I would say to you, ultimately, the thing that I find the most rewarding, the best, the best reason to cash pay is I feel like I'm back to what my parents were both doctors and what my parents would tell me they would have relationships with their patients. So ultimately, I have time to spend with my patients. I get to know my patients. I truly love my patients. And so this allows me, instead of feeling like I'm always on the clock, running in and out of rooms, trying to get as many patients in per hour, I know what I'm billing. So I know, you know what, I don't have to rush room to room. And my patients and I, we both appreciate it because it's something that's, that's really ultimately when you're, a patient walks into your office, it's a contract with you but it becomes, you know, something bigger. It's they trust you, they want your opinion, they value you. And that's, it came back to that for me. And it made me love working again. I mean, I say this every day and my husband says, you know, you live in this beautiful bubble, but I get up every day and I love going to work. There's not one day that I'm like, oh, you know, now what am I doing? So it really, at the end of the day, Dr. Horace brought back the joy of practicing medicine 
back to me. Do you accept any insurance at all for any other types of patients? I don't. So when we do, so for example, when we do a biopsy, the patients, if we use their, of course, we, they use their insurance for it to go to the pathology lab. They come in for medications, they will use their insurance for prescriptions. One of the things that I think that it's important to realize is that patients do really do need to be educated about the cash pay model. And that'll go more into what are the disadvantages because at the end of the day, people don't understand how it really works. Because so many people have been used to, oh, I just have a $10 copay. I get to go see Dr. Candle as many times a year I want. And now with the high deductible plans and FSA and HSA plans, people really have more skin in the game. So they understand what that means to walk into the office. And once they understand, look, I can actually use my HSA, my FSA, I can use or take that bill and apply it towards my deductible. That takes the disadvantage out of the sort of thinking of, I just don't understand, how could I not use my insurance? Because we've been so ingrained to always using insurance. Any other disadvantages that you can think of with this model? Well, the biggest one I would tell you that I ran into is, and it was very hurtful to me because I don't perceive myself as this way, but a few patients said, boy, felt like I abandoned them and also that I was being greedy. And, you know, I wanted to get on the phone with them because, of course, they were having this dialogue with my patients and go, no, no, you don't understand. That's not why I'm doing this. I'm doing this because I love practicing medicine and I need to go back to loving it again. I can't do this anymore. And it's burning me out and I need to embrace this. And it wasn't abandoning. I didn't want to abandon them. But and I knew there were certain people that I wouldn't be able to afford to come in to see me. And I'm very regretful about that. But to continue to practice this is what I had to do. So that was the thing that I found that brought me the most sorrow is patients thought I was being either greedy or abandoning them. Taking into account what you've learned, what kind of tips would you give to people that want to start something like the cash pay model in their practice? The thing that I realized that, that's been happening in medicine, at least in dermatology, we have so many physician extenders. So if you think you're going to do this, you cannot send a nurse practitioner or a PA into the room without you being there. So my patients will say to me, the only person I've ever seen in Dr. Candula's office is Dr. Candula. So they really, really learn to value that. And you can have a physician extender maybe set up the biopsy or do an intake if you wanted. But if they walk in there and they're the sole face of your practice, you're not going to be able to do cash pay. And so you have in your brain, when you're trying to get to this point to doing where I'm at, and I'm in rarefied air and I understand that, but I worked really long and hard to get here. You have to understand that patients are there because of you. And if you don't value them and you send in somebody that's XYZ, they're not going to value you back. So that's one thing that I think people really need to understand is when you decide to do this, you need to have had the skin in the game, I suppose. The other thing is, I think the easiest way to do it is you do start out with insurance because no new physician is going to start out and go, oh God, I'm going to step my shingle out and everyone's going to come running and they're going to pay me cash and it's going to be wonderful. That's never going to happen. So what I think my sort of advice to young physicians is start out, take the insurances that you need to take, but after a while, look at your payer mix. When you start to get busy and your wait times start to go out, right? So you start to go out two to three months. And back when I started to quit insurances, I was six months out, a year out being booked. And I just thought this is ridiculous. So as you start to get more and more booked, look at your payer mix, pull away or drop out of the plans that are paying you very poorly. Then what I did was subsequently, I dropped out of, there was a PPO and the HMO plan 
if the insurance allowed you to do it, which most of them allow you to do it, at least in St. Louis, Missouri, you can drop the HMO and keep the PPO. So you're sort of winnowing out or out of the lower paying plans and you're into the higher deductible plans or the higher value plans that are sort of the premier plans. And these patients already are into potentially more of a boutique experience. And so that's what I did. I eliminated low hanging fruit. Then I went down, you know, unfortunately I got rid of Medicare because of the whole EMR. And then finally I was down to two insurance companies. And when the ACA sort of started, I dropped both. And at that point, most of my patients had high deductible plans or they had HSA, FSA they could use. And it was a natural transition. It was a very natural transition. It was not an abrupt thing. And we did the year before we thought about doing it, we were very open with patients and said, look, we understand if you don't want to continue with us, there are other physicians that we will happily send you to. And so I think that most new physicians need to understand you have to build your name and your reputation because at the end of the day, those people are walking in to see you. And that's the most important thing. Excellent. And you alluded to it a little bit, but from a PR point of view, what kind of things that you and your staff do to kind of help patients understand and to adapt to it a little bit better? Number one, the staff has to be educated on what does this practice model mean. And so my girls will answer the phone. And when we were getting ready to transition, they essentially, we didn't give them a set script, but we had them work the language over and over again. And so what they'll say is, are you aware that Dr. Kandula doesn't take insurance? And then they explain to them, you can use your HSA, you can apply this towards your deductible. So really the verbiage is the most important thing and making patients aware of that it's coming and transitioning in a relatively seamless fashion. I don't know that you want to go out and advertise you're doing it because it's an internal thing. And so I think it's just more of teaching your staff what they need to say, how they need to present it. And patients are very amenable if it's presented in the right way. And so we never found any difficulty with it, just at the exception of a few people that got a little upset with us. Most people were very understanding about it. And really, at the end of the day, many patients are very sympathetic to doctors' plights right now. So most patients truly understood what, why, and were really in my corner. They're like, good for you, Dr. Kiendu. That's the most amazing thing, good for you. So I think if you present it in a way, and you do sort of acknowledge that this created some angst in you doing it, patients are absolutely going to be behind you. And so I think it's just a a way of presenting it. If I understand it correctly, too, from what you were saying, it's interesting because to a certain degree, patients are going to have to uh, do their deductibles anyway. And so you're kind of presenting a little bit that they can put this towards their deductible and patients will do this one way or the other. Because I see patients now that say, well, I'm waiting till I meet my deductible before I do this or before I do that. They're going to go do some other procedure or some other medical care that you're doing. So this is just another way to do that, what you're saying. Right. right. And and once I understand that the problem truly is that patients really have not been involved in their own health care, at least in their health care dollars, until these high deductible plans and the FSA and the HSAs came out. And I'll give you a quick example. It's off, off topic, but like I needed an MRI done in my knee. And my orthopedic surgeon said, well, Maude, before you get that done, you really need six weeks of physical therapy. And I'm like, well, that's doesn't make any sense because I'll spend $1,200 getting my knee MRI. And so I called around and I said, I have a high deductible plan. I have a, a, you know, HSA. 
got a imaging center, they said, Dr. Kindle is $320 with contrast, just get an order. So if I'd gone through the whole insurance route, I would have done six weeks of physical therapy instead, just get an order for MRI, paid $320. So now, am I educated in terms of absolutely, and that's why we try to teach our patients, look, this is how the system works. The system is imperfect and in many ways is really stacked against the patient. So they appreciate the fact that we try to help them along in this, in this path. So, well, excellent. So I, you know, I've asked you a number of questions. Is there anything that I haven't asked that you think would be insightful for our listeners? I think we covered everything. The, the, I have it all in my little notes here. We covered everything perfectly. Well, thank you very much. I, thank I, you. I, well, no, I, I think it's um, very interesting, uh, very enlightening. It's also, you know, we call this a career launch series, but this is almost like a way to treat burnout as well for the way oh, you're yeah. describing how exciting it is for you and how it's helped yeah. you. Yeah, uh, it is. It's honestly, Dr. Tori, is the best thing I ever did. I mean, 2016 for me, January 2016 was an absolute revelation. And it's truly, my husband says, the bubble you live in. I'm like, it's, it's okay, because I work to get that bubble. And I feel like I'm worth it. And I think so many physicians have lost that. And it's just hard. It's hard to walk in and just be all of the things that get thrown at us and pushed at us. And this really gives you back a lot of control over your day-to-day life. And that's huge for us. Dr. Gandula, so this sounds pretty exciting. Let me ask you this. Have you encountered any resistance from other doctors, from either fellow dermatologists or other physicians with regards to your cash pay model in terms of them feeling that somehow it's affecting their access or even plain jealousy? Have you seen anything in that regard? You know, I think there's probably a little bit of jealousy, but most physicians really, they're just odd. They're like, how are you doing it? And it's really, they truly, they're just like, you're actually doing it and it's working. And a lot of people will come up to me and say, how would I be able to do it? Can I do it? And I walk them through it. But there is a lot of trepidation. There was a lot of fear on my part when I did it. So I think that there's a lot of physicians that are slowly awakening to that this is possible. The concern that I have ultimately is that so many new physicians, new grads really aren't starting their own practices. They're going into huge multi-specialty groups or into private equity owned groups. And so you can't do this coming out out of one of those big groups. So you have to be able to do it coming out of a private practice situation. And truly the concern I have is I think I read statistically that less than 10% of new grads from Durham are going into private practice on their own. So I'd encourage more people to do it if they could do it. But I will tell you the ones that are in practice currently, whether they're dermatologists, orthopedic surgeons, whoever they are, they do the happy dance for me. They think it's the best thing in the world. And I'm sure there's local jealousy here in the derm community, but at the end of the day, you just live your life and ignore all of that. And was there ever a time when you were doing this that you were kind of worried where you said, gosh, did I do the right thing? Things don't seem to be going in the right direction. Did that no, ever happen? I, I, it really never did because I, I really did plot it out so slowly that I think because I did it very deliberately. And you have to remember, I've been in practice for 25 years. I did this less than four years ago. So it took me 20 years of toiling to get to the point that patients valued me coming in. Now, could I have done it before? Absolutely. I have to be honest with you. I don't know that I believed in myself enough back then to think that I could do it. 
And finally, when it dawned on me that I could do it, I thought I could have done this before. But it, it, I think it for each one of us, it's an individual sort of realization. And some of us never come to the realization. Some of us never believe in ourselves enough that we think we can do it. It does take courage. It definitely takes understanding that things could go awry. But, you know, ultimately, if you work hard and you do the right things, things tend to go in the right way. Do you have any colleagues that tried this approach and that didn't work and they came back to you and said, hey, I tried this, but it didn't work? Or uh, you say you could do this, but it didn't work? No, I haven't. I actually have a couple of people here locally that have done it that are thriving in it. And the more I encourage them, the better they do it. Now, there's an interesting thing. There's a doctor here that does integrative medicine and she actually doesn't take insurance, but she has a PA that does that she kept that was able to continue to do that. I'm not sure that that's doable in every state, but so the people that really just, you know, want to use their insurance, will see the nurse practitioner, the PA, and the people that want to see Dr. So-and-so, they will see Dr. So-and-so and pay out of pocket. So that's a hybrid model. I don't know how well that would work, but she's thriving in it. There are definitely people that, have, that are doing it, that are doing well. It just takes time. It's going to take a few years for you to be fully booked again. The thing, the other thing you have to realize, patients do truly love the fact that they could get a boutique experience. And so if you can provide that for them, the whole concept of you build it, they come, you know, you have a beautiful office, there's no wait times, there's not 15 people waiting in the office coughing at the same time. They get in, they walk in, they get into put into a room. If you provide that and you do it, whatever field you're in, patients are much more willing to pay for that experience. So it's a little bit different though, right? Because you're talking about the cash pay model, but then you're saying that you can make it work even better by kind of adding that boutique experience as well. Well, but a cash pay becomes a boutique because you really at the, what I'm saying, I guess, is that you really, you already are in a boutique experience because it's cash pay. Because at the end of the day, you're not going to have those wait times like you did before. We were taking every insurance. It would take three or four months to get them to see me. Now it takes less than a week. We have emergency appointments every day open. So when I say boutique experience, I'm talking about feeling like it's the front of line pass concept. All right. Excellent. Well, this has been very enlightening. And I thank you very much for sharing what you have with us. I think our listeners are going to find this very interesting and fascinating. And um, again, once again, thank you for taking the time to share this. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this edition of Dialogues in Dermatology. This is Lauren Council, your Editor-in-Chief. For more podcasts, including bonus issues, check us out online at the website of the American Academy of Dermatology or through the Dialogues in Dermatology app. You can now also sync your subscription to your favorite podcast app. New podcasts are released each week in addition to our monthly JAD podcast. We hope you enjoyed these new options for listening to Dialogues and the increased content for your listening pleasure. Thank you.